obviously, you know, in a financially driven world where everything is about um, return and, and growing customers and customer acquisition and so on, you may risk to lose track of what is really moving the customers, which in fashion is innovative things. It's, yeah. it's something that's not there. And so that particular aspect needs to be safeguarded. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and what I, I, I love from what I've learned in my career, also mm-hmm. working at Diesel with Renzo, it's, it's, it's really uh, how can you create that kind of safeguard where yeah. this uh, creativity can flourish. Welcome to Anatomy of a Leader podcast with me, Maria Vorostovsky. I'm the founder and CEO of HVO Search. Founders, CEOs and lone HR directors hire me when they feel stuck and under pressure to hire the right senior leaders who will transform their companies. I'm on a mission to discover what makes a great leader, the skills they have and what really drives them to dissect what success looks like and what it takes to get to the very top. My aim is to bring to you leadership stories of entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, investors, authors, leaders from all walks of life the failures they faced, what they wish they knew before they started, and the hurdles they had to overcome. If you want to be inspired, surprised, and feel like you're not alone in your struggles towards the very top, you're in the right place here on Anatomy of a Leader. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe to make sure you don't miss a single episode. It will challenge the way you think and may even change your life. In episode six, I sat down with Andrea Baldo, CEO of Ghani, in my back garden in the freezing cold to talk about his leadership journey. Andrea is one of the most incredible CEOs in fashion that I have ever met, and I've pretty much known him my whole career. He truly understands the most important aspect of being a partner to a creative which is nurturing creativity. Andrea actually didn't start out in fashion. He came through a management consultancy route, but he had a clear idea of where he wanted to go. So just before he joined Diesel, he sat down with his future boss and said, here are the conditions for me to join. I want to become a general manager in 10 years. Can you try to help me get there? Needless to say, he got the job. In this episode, we talk about going against popular opinion, failure, as in don't fail twice on the same thing, and the importance of family in your success. We talk about building creative ecosystems, safeguarding creatives so their creativity can flourish, and what he learned from Renzo Rosso, founder of Diesel. Andrea is warm and so connected to what creativity needs to thrive. He's always curious. He's a true coach for his team. So listen to the full episode six and discover his leadership journey for yourself. Andrea, thank you so much for coming here today. Uh, we've been trying to make it happen for I think two years now and yeah, then pandemic has not been kind to us. No. Uh, so yeah, welcome to my garden, finally. Sunny um, day in London. Absolutely. Yes, well welcome. Thank you for coming on today. I was actually looking on LinkedIn just to see how long we've known each other mm. and according to LinkedIn it's been over 11 years, years. so you were with uh, Diesel Black Gold at the time and I think we started talking on the phone and then I went to Milan a couple of times and then you moved to Marnie um, then you were at Coccinelle and now you're the CEO of Ghani which is one of my favorite brands actually <laughs> of all time I think it's just a, an amazing product and brand so um, and obviously I know a lot about your history a lot about your background already but wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper in terms of your journey the lessons that you have learned and um, yeah so you're Italian yeah where did you grow up I grow I grew up in a town close to Venice Mm -hmm. um, called Vicenza it's uh, interesting because uh, you know, one famous architect, Andrea Palladio is from there. And right. you see the architecture and the influence of Palladio all over the world. Uh, and uh, and that's also, uh, I don't know, but I, when I was a kid, I was always thinking about uh, living abroad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and I was very, very excited by the American culture, pop culture. So, yeah. you know, I love rap music. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I was in, at the Run DNC concert. I have my Jam Master J, you know, signing my 
Run DMC kind of uh, T-shirt. So I was really into rap. I was really into American football and uh, and uh, and obviously fast food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also I like a lot UK. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but m- many Italians has are, are in love with with that. Why is UK. that? It's maybe the, the the sense of the green for sure. And I think the the shape of green you have here is not what mm-hmm. we have in Italy. Um, might the sense of uh, structure that we maybe are missing in southern europe but you know i play rugby for a lot of time you know i play golf a lot and i was always thinking about studying here right and uh, so even when i was a kid i i realized later on by 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 actually when i was around 40 thinking about you know my childhood and uh, and 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 i was always listening to american and british music so it's mm. it's really something that i don't know where it's coming from but it was there since the beginning when I when I decided to to go to university, it was uh, a love affair immediately with uh, mathematics and uh, statistics and econometrics, uh, because I'm 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 a kind of you know analyst kind of background. So I really like to dip deeper into into concepts, uh, and I ended up by by becoming uh, yeah by my, having a major in econometrics and uh, and my. And, and actually, I applied to Warwick University here to get to get the PhD. So it was strange that that somebody that you know, with that kind of background ended up working in fashion. Right. And uh, so I always feel myself a little bit an outsider in this industry because mm. it, it's not really now kind of fashionista playing with the dolls or you know doing your Pinterest uh, you know, mood boards. It's not actually where I'm, where I'm coming mm. from. So it's. Uh, and how did you end up in fashion? I I I have to say that uh, you know normal struggle of finding what you want to do when you grow up yeah. and I think you know you start having some models so definitely was you know this idea of being an economist mm-hmm. uh, working for the, the monetary fund or for uh, UN I think that was the, an idea then I, I discovered that is a very lonely journey mm-hmm. and I'm much more social so I, I took a change and I went into business and uh, and luckily, uh, you know, I graduated pretty well from university, so I had choices, and um, and I ended up by by setting a, a program at General Electric that at the time was like the, the Apple of today, you know, the most yeah. capitalized company, the first in the world, uh, with a lot of um, different uh, companies uh, in uh, in Italy as well. So I entered in general management in this um, financial management program in G in Florence. And the uh, oil and gas industry, so completely different, <laughs> but a rotational job. So mm-hmm. every six months, you, you you get different position in finance, and I that I like uh, I learned finance because I had a, a, an economics background, not a finance background, mm-hmm. and uh, and that you start meeting people, and you start saying, you know what, I would like to do what this doing, or I would like to have the same path. Then when you start recognizing that the, there are some roles that naturally uh, get you interested. Like you're drawn and, to, mm-hmm. and I was drawing to consulting. I actually was drawing even before actually going to G. And and uh, and it was a fun fact that uh, you know I had the opportunity to join McKinsey, but because uh, I tends to you know I, I tends to give work to somebody, so I was already signed up for G. I stay with G. I say to McKinsey, I will I will join later. And first mistake I made in my career, never say no to McKinsey or to <laughs> any company that has these big egos mm-hmm. because you were never going to get the second chance. Uh, and I, so at the end of the, of the FMP, uh, I had the opportunity to, 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 to join Bain. So I went to Bain and Company. And, uh, and that also was a great experience because meeting uh, bright minds, uh, you know, people that are really uh, engaging in the job and want actually to achieve things uh, and they want to have around people that are this kind of drive for performance and you have uh, this kind of customer centricity of trying to get solving problem for your customers. Yeah, uh, It's something that remains exactly as today. So I, I'm approaching uh, my jobs like a case to be solved. The kind of, okay, this is a time frame. there is uh, external factors. How can we actually make things work? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if, uh, you 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 grow and you know that you know there's no plan you can give to somebody, but you have to make things happen. It's much more complex than actually find a solution. But this approach of being external and look it from a different point of view, um, it helps a lot because mm-hmm. 
the risk, I think, for, for a manager of anybody is, is trying to recognize always the same patterns because you, what you have done in the past is also helping you mm -hmm. to solve the problem in the future. And, and if you are not approaching with this kind of external point of view, analytical point of view, you ended up by, by, by taking any shortcuts in your talks. And sometimes you just going back to your old habits. So mm -hmm. while when you are a consultant, you have different uh, problems to solve with different customers and different industries, then you have always to approach it in a way where the, the approach may be stable, but the outcome may be completely different. Yeah. And I think that that's what I learned a lot in, in G. And, and with these two years, these two, these four years, no, two in G and two in McKinsey, in Bain, I actually start realizing what I would like to do when I was growing up. Uh, and I remember when I joined uh, Diesel at that time, which was a customer of, of Bain, and they offered me a job like a chief of staff, not close to the CEO. Uh, I, made, uh, I made two things. One, this, the decision that fashion and Italy was good, because there's a made in Italy, the, the opportunity of, of, of working and having this kind of um, uh, territorial uh, advantage of mm -hmm. being Italian and working fashion in Italy. So I think it was a good industry to enter. Uh, but also I remember meeting uh, the CEO very naively <laughs> with my page saying, okay, these are the conditions for me to join. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and I remember in this condition, I was like, no, I would like to become general manager in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So so, so please no, bear with me and try to help me to reach that. Mm. And uh, now it, if I, when I, I tell the story at that time, I think it was real naive, but, uh, but honestly it helps also to define immediately what you want to do and, and you start to creating a kind of uh, you're lucky around you mm. by, by just telling uh, what mm. is your ambitions mm -hmm. uh, and be also ready obviously when said so then you have to be also very open to take any, any chance that mm. are so so I, I think that, that that was my entry into fashion really <laughs> my, my it's like this is my plan this is what I'm going to be doing you know you're with me or you're not <laughs> yeah. I love that actually because I think a lot of the times there isn't that kind of clear kind of path that you kind of set up for yourself. And I think the setting of the expectations is so good because then everyone involved is like, they can see like, of course, you know, I, you know, appreciate you being so kind of proactive and so driven and kind of like, let's make it happen because it's a win-win for everyone. Um, so yeah, and to, to have that so early on, I think that definitely put you- Yeah, in yeah I think place. it helps because uh, yeah. as I said, you know, you're, you need uh, to, to go somewhere, you need to know where you're coming from. Yeah. So you have an assessment of what are your skills, mm -hmm. what you're missing also, what can you learn, what actually you're not good at. So, yeah. uh, and you need to have uh, at least uh, ending points when you that your destination, the path, the journey can be completely different than what you have estimated, but yeah. at least you have a sense of direction. Yeah. And then you need the compass. And the compass uh, I discovered even later than this, because at this stage, you know, you're still out of the university for years in the job, so you're mm. still full of uh, you know, excitement yeah. and willing to do. And you maybe recognize yourself a little bit, but, but then becomes really central is your value. I mean, what you really believe, what, what is really you stand for. Mm -hmm. And that uh, becomes handy, especially when you have a leadership position, because people need to recognize you and in a certain way trust you mm -hmm. and the behavior needs to be consistent and that's you get consistency only if you do something that is really care about what, what you really care and who yeah. you are so so i think that the compass is a little bit the values that help you to go in the direction no mm -hmm. to, 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 to ensure that uh, no matter where the wind blows or where the life will bring you you have a, a, an objective a purpose and a compass to go and yeah. to go back to your path basically. And actually, that's a good point about values. Is it something that you have thought about and known at a young age, or is it something that kind of developed as you were going mm. down your path? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think there are something embedded uh, in your mm -hmm. culture, in your family, in mm -hmm. the, what what has been the value that you have been passed along by yeah. your, your your parents. Uh, then there is a discovery phase that goes through living and knowing people, uh, getting feedbacks, uh, and uh, and I think uh, it's uh, this, this kind of discovery, this continued discovery. And there are things that are changing. Even when I look at my at the, at the, the value set that I was running, for example, in New York, I, I was living in New York for two years. 
And I remember that was a great place because it's uh, it's a landmark for for my career being uh, finally in US, living mm. uh, you know the American dream. Yes, <laughs> yes. So uh-huh. these kind of things when I was a kid, and uh, and remember you can be very lonely in New York, even if it's big, you know, and, and everybody has his own agenda, you know, mm. so it's very very competitive. And I think that was the first time I I was trying to think back to my values, okay, where I'm rooted, what I'm what I'm really trying to achieve, and. And what are the things that really motivates me? Mm-hmm. Because that will be key to recognize. Uh, it also was a time where I, uh, by, by trying to become a CEO, general manager, I realized that coming from consulting was good, but you need to have a, a, a tons of other tools in your toolbox. So I went back to study at, at Harvard. And, and that was also when I got through this kind of discovery of what leadership is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is where you know, I start setting my, 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 my values. So you know, to obviously be open uh, and uh, and to everybody and being very very present mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to actually be very transparent and honest so you being genuine you know what would you see is what you get kind of approach mm-hmm. uh, but I was also putting myself into you know you need to keep learning and improving yourself you know mm-hmm. every day you need to be kind of different person better every year you're going to Mm-hmm. take uh, the credit and what you've done in the year and trying to uh, make it uh, uh, the starting point for the next. As I grow older, that active ambition, that value is going to like take third position, fourth position, and now it's five out of top five. Mm-hmm. So it means that I think also some of the values remains, but others will change, mm-hmm. obviously, as life advanced mm-hmm. and what different things become important. Mm-hmm. But actually having that writ- written down uh, it's an important fact because it's helped you to, I think, be linked and bonded uh, with yourself uh, and uh, where you have been growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. And that helps a lot. I think. Do you have um, a process for that? Well, I, I have to say that, you know, uh, I, I tend uh, tends to, to have a process on an annual basis mm-hmm. more than on a, on, a, on a monthly basis. So, so I usually, you know, Maybe because of when I was a kid, no. September you start back school. September yeah. you go back to university. You have a new term started. So, so this end of summer is where I try to reflect a lot of what's going on and try to go back after vacation with a new kind of eyes. Try yeah. to challenge, uh, you know, what was the thinking uh, just three weeks before going on vacation. Mm. And uh, and that is where uh, I I tend to confirm or getting a confirmation. So instead of being at the, the New Year's resolution of January, yes, yeah, <laughs> which I tell you doesn't work. No, nope, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm totally uh, that. So but, yeah. I think it's linked again. It's, uh, it's linked to the habit that is linked with vacation and it's linked mm. with free time. So I think it's also where your brain has been exposed to different things because you've been traveling, you've been staying with your family. Maybe you're rooted more in your values because you spend spend time with your your parents and your relatives mm. and that is the time of the year where i'm trying to reflect on that and try to uh, mm. decide that's really fascinating because i've been thinking about you know what skills do we need in the future and i think those skills never really changed and the three things that kind of i keep consistently coming up with is kind of self-awareness so when you're talking about your values that's exactly that it's about you know really you know going kind of deep into your own self and thinking what's important to me, you know, what do I value and also where do I want to be? And then the second thing is the the social intelligence. And when you're talking about, you know, working with other people and like what leadership means, like all of that is sort of interconnected and understanding what um, the um, sort of the needs are yeah. of the people who you work with and also, you know, your customers when you're working with, you know, kind of product. And then the third thing, which is you also mentioned, is this continuous learning and, you know, always growing and, you know, learning new things. So I would say like those are the three things that I'm kind of picking yeah, up here. Yeah, I think purpose maybe mm. is linked to the values, yeah. but I think find uh, that you, you 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 want to reach for somewhere. I mean, you, you have this appetite to go somewhere. Yeah. And, and again, it doesn't need to be the same for, you know, the, the entire mm-hmm. life, but at least having that kind of... Uh, North Star, yeah. uh, a little bit help you to really move. Mm. Because then the, the risk is that when you are going and you look backwards, and you will do it because mm. you know, the learning is only when you are looking backward and you 
find your mistakes and you understand what you should have done better and all. So this kind of reflection, but you also see that you're moving forward towards something. And yeah. that's obviously energize you. Yeah. You need to have a kind of uh, subtle optimism that you are know, <laughs> going somewhere. Otherwise, yeah. very, very hard, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, the job, especially, especially, you know, when you are a little bit lonely on the top. And that is also true. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, but just before we do that, yeah, you're talking about your, your North Star. I mean, what is that for you? Part is really what you want to achieve uh, as a professional. And, uh, and to me, what's extremely important is to equally help others trying to achieve their, you know, their full potential. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the Greatest Star, especially working in fashion, is really helping uh, creatives. So when I say creatives, uh, yeah, it's the creative director, but it's, it's also the designers, the graphic designers, all the, all the people that put their word and uh, work a lot in doing new things, innovative things, strange things, things we've never seen, which honestly, shh, they are much more exposed as a person, you know, mm -hmm. if you like it, and everybody has an opinion, you like it or you like it, you change it. So I found that that is what uh, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, a very creative person. So, but I know that that is what uh, lead to innovation, lead to, you know, you know, fantastic eyes when you see something and the customers get excited. So how can you nurture that? It's a little bit my, 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 my advice there. Mm -hmm. So, so it's really helping them and creating, a, you know, a, a, like, a, like a structure around of an environment where actually creativity can flourish. Mm -hmm. And that requires uh, uh, some, some talks and some actions. Uh, because obviously, you know, in a financially driven uh, you know, a world where everything is about um, return and, and growing customers and customer acquisition and so on, you, you, you may risk to lose track of what is really moving the customers, which in fashion is innovative things. It's, yeah. it's something that's not there. And so that particular aspect needs to be safeguarded. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and what I, I, I love from what I've learned in my career, also mm -hmm. working at Diesel with Renzo, it's, it's, it's really uh, how can you create that kind of safeguard where yeah. this uh, creativity can flourish. Well, that's the perfect balance, isn't it? Being sort of the CEO of a creative business and being this kind of, you know, very strong support the you know the financial the operations the you know the all of the you know all of the things that you don't want the creative to be focusing on because you know just kind of as you said safeguarding them to make sure that they are really focused on what they do best i mean for me that's kind of i see that yeah. as as the perfect partnership and where you don't need to be creative but you need to be aware of the fact that this creativity needs to be yeah. nurtured and yeah, as you said, safeguarded. safeguarded. I think that's a really good and then, word. And I think that that is why the duo, that is mostly duo, no? mm -hmm. that, that, that run fashion companies, because you need these two, uh, no, life, left brain, right brain. So Absolutely. to work together. No? Mm -hmm. um, but I also notice how have been changing this dynamic over time. So no, most of uh, the past uh, was really about the artistic part. So the, 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 the artistic director of the creativity it was all about the creativity. And then you were extracting value from creativity by running a business mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's things doesn't work anymore because obviously customers want to know more want yeah. to know about the brand who's behind the brand who's designing who's producing so so that aspects become much more public mm -hmm. so also the the kind of um, attitude of creative directors have changed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's permeate much more you know, the, the branding, the marketing, the communication part than when it was you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago. And, and that's obviously required different skills also from a creative director point of view. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that that's, there is a, a tendency now of, because of the complexity of, of, of bigger fashion companies today, it's not just uh, having customers, uh, you know, globally, you know, from New York uh, to you know, Shanghai and Tokyo. You know, there's always been a complexity, but this digitalization 
of the industry where you really get to touch the customers, almost to personalize the, your mm. emails. These obviously require much more storytelling, much more narratives, much more interesting things to say to wake up this interest. Yeah. And, and, and that is embedded again in the creativity part. So mm -hmm. I feel that is, uh, it's becoming much more a work for a collective creative more than uh, a single creative director. I think mm -hmm. we will be seeing a fashion company moving into having an ecosystem of creativity around the brand that is able actually to secure that there is uh, you know, innovation uh, and the creativity and freshness keep growing. Because you know it's a very risky business to have you know a creative director that doesn't work. Mm. You know, recently mm. we've seen you know creative director changing jobs. Uh, you know, and so what the brands, what they was doing. I, I think that's we can take that kind of risk out of the fashion industry mm. if we nurture as a CEO as well and as a company the ecosystem around the brand, which we are not really dependent you know, on a specific uh, on a specific person. I think this talk about creativity is becoming more and more essential especially as we're kind of you know going into this age of automation and ai and you know thinking well actually creativity is what makes us most human and you're kind of talking about supporting and nurturing that creativity how do you do that like what's you know what you're talking about sort of the co you know collaborative and collective creativity you know what what are ways to kind of foster that it's uh, it's uh, first uh, creating uh, an environment where there is a trust Mm -hmm. And uh, and where actually there is this kind of um, same level field amongst uh, uh, designers and uh, and the creativity, the agency, the marketing area. I mean, be much more open to talk and mm -hmm. much more open to have more stakeholders around the table. So don't feeding this idea of the hierarchy. You no, know, you know, who is on top? Who is the first uh, uh, inner circle to the creative director? I think is opening up this into a conversation yeah. where there is much more uh, dialogue. I think mm -hmm. dialogue helps uh, because sparkle ideas. And when you think about creativity, uh, the more diverse is the group of people that think about the, prob the problem and um, the better, the more conversations there are, the more ideas can, can start. So it's, it's starting by nurturing that kind of uh, environment. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's creating the ecosystem, which means that, the, that uh, these the people that are sitting around this table actually have connections mm -hmm. to friends, they have connections to other creatives, uh, to colleagues in other industries. So how can you use their network to create uh, that kind of you know, uh, enlarging the ecosystem? So I see at this point that you, you own as a company some central you know, um, team. You have a team, you have different uh, uh, artists around it, but then they bring first layer which mm -hmm. are who are the people associated with you and some of them are associated again through relationship others are associated through contract i mean you have an agency yeah. that help you which is an associated uh, you have uh, other creative where you collaborate we, we know the collaboration is really important uh, because you want to tell new stories about the brand but is uh, to the consumer but is also nurturing relationship with other creatives so you have this uh, uh, you know, first layer around you of people that are associated with the brands and, and they are part of the dialogue. So they are part in the conversation. And then you have the third layers, which is um, the people that are your uh, no, advocate, your ambassador, or who, who actually like to be around you, mm. uh, even if you don't pay them. Because mm. <laughs> mm. you know, consumer is really, really now cynical in seeing any kind of paid relationship. Now, we, also, we are obviously obliged to say so. So you need to nurture this kind of relationship that are need to be right, like like the one we have today. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, we know for eleven years, but yeah. you know, we are still part of the same ecosystem. No, and we reach out when we need it, but also when we want support. I think the same things around creativity, and that helps uh, to be less centered about you know one single person, but having uh, actually the the ecosystem helping you to. Uh, sometimes solve problems uh, or getting uh, opportunities mm. or seeing new things coming. Um, and then obviously you need to curate. And then you go back to the center. Then the, the role of the team at the center is more a curation of, of all these uh, potential narratives mm. into something that is relevant for the consumer. But the, the, the more 
the ecosystem is a representation of your consumer, the more actually the two things are connected. Yeah. And that actually helps a lot of fashion brands to avoid the risk of uh, throwing uh, older with the consumer, not attached to the new generations. Mm-hmm. Because basically, nurturing the ecosystem, you are always kind of refreshing you know, your, 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 um, uh, your ideas and uh, you're always trying to stay relevant. Yeah. I think this is something that uh, it's, uh, I've, I've seen it in companies uh, like Ghani, but also in the past, when, when you have this strong growth, is because you are really connected with, uh, mm-hmm. with that guy, the, the spirit of the moment. And it's very easy to lose it. And so I think this, this new way of, of thinking creativity as a part of the ecosystem, instead of mm-hmm. you know, a hierarchical, where the brand patronize the customers and so on, where there is much more, you know, user-generated content. Uh, you know, uh, you would look at China. You have KOC that are actually influencing the brand and what the brand. I think these things will make the, the, the fashion brand more vibrant mm. and um, and more relevant and, and potentially giving them longevity. Yeah, when you're talking about actually getting the collective and these different layers and the different people that are involved and the diversity aspect, I think that's that's really, really important and kind of having different voices at the table. But I think also, you know, when you're saying about being in the moment, and I think that's where, you know, this is what's happening, isn't it, with a lot of the fashion brands during the pandemic, because the moment is no fashion in some to some extent, or, you know, wearing sweatpants and, you know, yeah, no trousers and just top. So when you're in your Zoom meeting or whatever. So it's like, you know, is that going to stay for a long time? Or is that something, you know, obviously it's going to change at some point. But I think that's where a lot of the brands have really come unstuck because it isn't keeping up with what's happening in the industry. And it's not just, you know, seeing what, you know, the influences and the social media is doing. But it's like, what's the bigger movement? What's the, you know, what are what are the conversations that we're having, you know, outside of fashion and putting life back into, you know, the products and the stories that we're telling. And we're talking about, you know, what leadership means, and that's something that I'd like to get to. But the other part, when you're talking about being lonely at the top, and you know, can you kind of unpack that a little bit? <laughs> uh... Yeah, there's a nice book which is in never eat alone <laughs> right uh, uh, no it's um how can i explain it's um first it doesn't need to be alone and that's uh, i think the important things that uh, uh, you need to nurture a, a group of people around you that can support yeah. and, and so it's i think creating uh, your your support function mm. but sometimes you are alone because when you make decisions uh, you 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 are in this in some roles, especially when you have this general management role, no? So you you have your own team, mm-hmm. but you have also your stakeholders, and uh, and your stakeholders, uh, in a certain way, not use you, but wants you to actually achieve what they want. Mm-hmm. So they, they, in a certain way, you are part. Yeah, you are you are you know. In Italian, is a administratore delegato. So you you have uh, the 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 you have been empowered by the other board members to actually operate the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, an operated company is making things happen. You know, mm-hmm. The financial part, but also you know uh, the engagement of the employee, but also you have to be good for the other stakeholders outside. And and you are the one responsible for that. So you are living uh, your life in two in two areas, no? in areas of your team, so you are a leader of your team, mm-hmm. but you are also the responsible of the results in front of others. And that makes you, you know, the, the keystone, basically. No? Uh, and that is where you are alone. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no another one that's your yeah. responsibility, it's only you. Uh, and that means that some of the decisions that you have to make in terms of uh, directions, in terms of hiring, in yeah. terms of structure, in terms of investment, where you put the money, where you are going to invest your time, but also where you're investing the resources of the company, are, are actually lonely decisions because uh, you will be the one that actually take it. And, 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 and obviously your reputation is at stake. Yeah. Uh, so you have to, to reflect on that. You have to be sometimes crazy to, to go against the common feeling. So you have to show boldness and braveness sometimes. Um, but that's part of the job, uh, and uh, and that's sometimes the only place.
Has there ever been a time when you have taken this big, bold, risky move that it didn't work out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think the key points is uh, uh, accept the mistakes as part of your learning. Mm -hmm. You learn by mistake. You, know, you go by bike, you learn by mistake. Uh, but not big enough that you are betting the company. So I think that you have to be careful of not betting like they the company. Fail, so, fail small and often. Fails more and often and don't fail twice on the same things because it yes. means that you haven't learned. Yeah. But there you go. I think uh, hiring the wrong person, definitely I did mistakes. Mm -hmm. Or uh, um, lost timing for an investment and taking too much time to make it the investment and the opportunity disappeared. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, opening stores that doesn't perform. Yes, I did it that. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, a, a lot of decisions sometimes, you know, even if you have uh, all the information around you, uh, came out to be the wrong one. So the, the things is what you learn from it. How can you improve uh, and not making again the same mistakes? And also taking, uh, being uh, ready to learn and move on without, you know, getting uh, stuck. Getting stuck of it or, or make that mistakes uh, to prevent you from taking the next risks. Yeah. Because uh, at the end, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's what the average is, no? So what are the decisions that you make that actually creates value? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and as long as you know, it's like a, when you play a game, as long as the winning is more than the losing, then you are then fine. Then you like yeah, you're yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. you cannot or, you know, win completely uh, always, you know, for a long time. So, so I think it's uh, it's uh, it's learning from the mistakes, uh, but still be able to show up and be brave mm -hmm. the next time and, uh, and and take another decision. Yeah. Yes, just putting on just to kind of keep us freezing to shooting in the garden but um yeah so in terms of yeah so just really you know love what you're talking about failure and you know not making mistakes is impossible you know you'll have to learn from the mistakes that you're making and as long as you're up on your wins rather than your failures then you're doing okay and as long as you don't sink everything then you're exactly. doing okay, okay as well so yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. great um Obviously, you know, being CEO is very challenging. You know, we're talking about, you know, kind of loneliness in the responsibilities that you've got. I mean, what what would you say is the hardest thing of being a CEO? Uh, first, uh, I love the job. So mm. I, love to, <laughs> I love my job. So it's, mm. when you love what you do, you know, you can cope with uh, what is the most difficult part, maybe. Mm -hmm. But it's not that you hate anything of, of the job. So I think it's, you have to cope with that. Um, I think that that uh, yeah, what what maybe is more challenging uh, is uh, when you have to take decision without uh, full uh, information. Yeah, I think that's his challenge because uh, speed, especially when it's to speed, is of essence. Every time you do a decisions, the impact uh, on uh, the consumer will be very very long from when you decide because it cycles, and, uh, and so sometimes you have to take decision without full uh, information. And that is the risky part. So you can try to minimize that. That's where the experience helps. Mm. Uh, being there before, having seen some trends before, uh, without get caught, as I said before, into the thinking that, oh, it's always being this and will be the same always in the future. So I, I think that part is challenging. Um, it's challenging also when you have to do with people. Uh, obviously, every team, every team leader has not to decide that the team he wants to have uh, with him uh, and make uh, uh, have choices on people when uh, performance is not there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's obviously set the tone also as a CEO of, uh, which is also a nice part, on how you treat people is going to be part of the culture of the company. Mm -hmm. Because people will look at uh, the leadership to see how they are going to cope with difficult decisions, mm -hmm. uh, like failures, you know? and, uh, and then uh, the relationship, how you treat uh, your, your team and how eventually you let go people. Uh, it's extremely important, and that is painful. It's mm -hmm. painful because uh, sometimes you hire, so you make a wrong choice. So you have to fix your own problem. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, at least for me, as I said before, the idea of having, uh, of really trying to get the people, the management around me, the leaders around me, to really reach their greatness, you 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 tend to to be too confident that you can help them. That you can coach them, you can mm. uh, you can help them fix their issues, and in fact you are not able to. 
And so this overconfidence sometimes uh, make you not take the right decision at the right time. And you tend to wait. And then actually is decremental for you mm. and for the person. So, so these are the things uh, that are hard of the job because uh, you, you know that you are affecting you know, people that are uh, 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 people. That, I mean, your colleagues that actually put their same you know, enthusiasm uh, and passion what they do, but you have to to, to separate part, mm. and uh, and that's obviously is uncomfortable, but. Uh, I think going back to the true star, the North Star, if you if you approach it like, uh, but this is going to be better for you because mm -hmm. that this isn't it's not working, it's not uh, working fine. I mean, it's, the challenge is too big for you, or or the conditions change, mm -hmm. uh, but you are still moved by the fact that their person is going to try to achieve their best somewhere else. You can still help them achieve, so. Mm -hmm. So what I'm very actually proud of is that even in that conversations, I have great relationship also with the people that I have to let go. Mm. Uh, and they, they are still connected you know, and asking for advice. Uh, and if I can help them, I will. Because they, if, if you really care about them and, and what they want to pursue in life, you know, it's, it's not just a transactional relationship what we have done because we worked together for a while yeah um, and uh, and that's i think is what what's moved me the, the the idea that uh, you can have impact of people around you that have been connected with you professionally mm -hmm. and and because uh, all of them put so much effort on their professionalism and the work you can actually help them because you are still part of the same ecosystem yeah i love what you say about coaching i think that word specifically and i know you're talking about, you know, making that decision faster to let go when it's when it's just not working. But actually, I think the coaching aspect is is what makes you really strong at being a leader. And although you say that, you know, you kind of take a little bit of time to kind of get to the point where it's like well, it's just not working. But I think you also make a lot of progress and a lot of you know you building relationships with these people that perhaps the the coaching you know, actually helps to elevate the teams and helps, you know, for everyone to feel part of the team and that it's okay that every now and then that it's, you know, kind of taking a little bit of time to work with that individual. But, you know, I guess just looking for the signs of when it's just not getting through or it's just the wrong place for that individual. But I really admire the fact that you build such relationships that last beyond the teams that you're creating internally for yourself. Um, I think just being a CEO is hard. I mean, we talked about pressure as well, didn't we? And, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the shareholders, you've got the customers, you've got the team, you've got your own challenges and your own personal life. Like, how do you deal with pressure? Uh, yeah, I think you have to be ready to get uh, a lot of pressure on the yeah. So I think if you, you need to cope with that. Um, how can you cope with pressure is uh, go back to your roots, mm -hmm. uh, feel a sense of uh, balance in your life, having a stable, and you know, this for me is having a stable relationship with my family. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going back where I was born. Uh, and connect with the people mm -hmm. that lives there that mm -hmm. are, they are still a part of your of, 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 of making part of what you are. So I think balance it it is grounding into something that is beyond your role mm -hmm. and your professional life, mm -hmm. uh, and that helps to cope with the pressure. It's also helping um, getting your 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 mind space where you can actually think uh, when you can reflect. Uh, so taking your days off uh, when it's needed, uh, you know, go uh, stay, Duvet days. stay alone, you know, <laughs> where you can. Uh, yeah. uh, I think that helps a lot. Uh, but yes, I think the pressure is there because the, the stakeholders are, are, are many. There are mm -hmm. many different agendas sometimes. And so it's important to, 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 to think about framing issues or framing decisions so that you can get the, the buying of different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. um, it's also, I think, important to, uh, I think, recognize that uh, there are two ways in which you define success. One is the financial, obviously, part, because the, the, 
if you like it or you don't like it, uh, you, know, you are in the market. So mm -hmm. you, you have uh, you know, sales, uh, profit, uh, cash generation. Uh, so it's, it's, your, your scorecard is there to be seen. Uh, and so it, it can be easily measurable. But on the other side of success is also how you feel with yourself and what you have accomplished. And, uh, and that is a little bit more personal, but I think uh, that uh, balancing the two help you also in dealing with pressure. Yeah. Because uh, you, know, you can be uh, pressure on, uh, on taking decisions uh, uh, that, are, that have a financial uh, implications and they need to be taken, but they doesn't need to actually uh, make you feel too bad or you can actually uh, manage it uh, in, a, in, a, in a proper way yeah. according to your values uh, and still have a success out of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that having this duality and not thinking that only financial success uh, and uh, remunerations and compensation is the only things that actually, actually count, mm. I think it helps. Uh, but I would say that, the, the, yeah, the, the pressure is a lot uh, and, and you need to be grounded on something else because yeah. otherwise you can e easily be pushed by society. I think there's always different elements of your life and, you know, we're all kind of trying to keep everything in balance. And I think a lot of the time it happens when your identity is so rooted in what you do for your job that when things don't go to plan or there's a lot of pressure or, you know, something happens that it just like your whole world crumbles. And I think it's really key what you're saying about this idea of balance. And this is probably why you're looking forward to your holiday that you were talking about. That's like, that's your reset. That's when you go back to your roots, you know, you reconnect with family, you reconnect with like yourself and just, you know, having, you know, just not having to focus so hard on, on the job that you have to do and just like, you know, get your energy back. And I think it's so important, especially in today's world, which is just moving at a million miles an hour. Um, we, we touched a little bit, you know, when we were talking about leadership and sort of discovery. I think you mentioned sort of discovering what leadership means to you. What does it mean to you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, it's, um, inspi I mean, it's, it's inspiring people around you, but empowering them. So it's not inspiring by by just being uh, no, the smartest kid in the room. I, mm -hmm. I don't think that that is going to bring you very far. It's more giving them a sense of purpose and direction and then help them actually mm -hmm. you know, uh, achieve that and, and be very, very warm on what they want to achieve. So, so really warm up uh, the, the, the hearts, I think, and not just the minds. I, I love that. That's, that part is really mm -hmm. important. And that's is, 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 it needs to be through passion. You need to show your true self. You need to, if you are really passionate about something. Uh, at, least, at least what I feel that is important in this industry in fashion. Uh, then I think it's about being uh, available, open. I think, I know it sounds a little bit, uh, you know, in a world where you need to be extremely efficient uh, and you're, you're, you're dividing your agenda in half an hour so you can get more things done and you are going to set yourself. But, but again, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, creativity does, innovation doesn't come based on how much money you put uh, and how much, you know, I like, I like the example uh, you know, that we have seen of, of, of um, an unfortunate timing of investment uh, of uh, Infanti, of uh, LVMH from one side and uh, Rihanna on the other. Mm -hmm. and shows that no many how many millions of followers you have and how many millions of euro you can put uh, in fashion is not enough actually yeah. to make a viable and that's i think what what is great of this industry that you need to nurture the relationship with the creativity and that's honestly doesn't have a time frame so you need to be available you need yeah. to be available of people uh, uh, you know crying because they're not achieving what they need their insecurity, uh, security around the people around. So this availability mm. of a leader in fashion is there. So you need to actually uh, you know, sacrifice maybe times of yourself to be to be present and be there. I think mm. that's, that's it's important as a leader, again, in this industry. Um, do you think this has changed? Do you think this is more important now than before? Or do you think this has always been like this? But I, I, I learned a lot from my mentor, so I see a lot that that has been always the case. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, again, when you have to put your ideas up front and you have to show it to somebody, you, you like this design, you don't like it, you know, 
and make it a super simple one. But you you are always uncertain, and uh, and you and even when you are, your ego is very big. In reality, you are very uncertain. So you need to help this uncertainty to not draw people back. So that's why you have to take create that kind of a space uh, uh, where they can really take risk. Uh, and in order to do that, you have to create trust. And trust is built by relationship, uh, and not, it's not uh, it's not title that you trust. And, and that needs to be nurtured with the time that uh, is required. So yeah. for some, it's really like this, super efficient. Uh, uh, I work with Dita now as a creative director. Amazing, amazing mm. creative director. She has uh, really the feeling about the consumer, but she's also very efficient. <laughs> Never worked with such efficient uh, uh, creative director before. So mm. it's very fast to go to decision making and, and the trust is bonded very fast. With others, took to create that mm-hmm. kind of uh, environment and, uh, and the relationships uh, that they can trust that you don't have a different agenda than them but actually you are there to help them and uh, and i don't think it's a matter of age it's really a matter of, of 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 each of us has a different way to giving trust to people mm-hmm. and and that is where you need to have to dedicate time to this mm. uh, and that you cannot put it a time a time time timer for doing that yeah it's it's through the experience and trust is something that can't be just gained immediately so it it does exactly also build to, to over your time. decision also people some some people trust you immediately like like you know you talk and know what mm. your really values are and uh, and uh, others needs to see you in action and understand from your actions what mm. you really mean other needs to also get uh, information from people around you <laughs> to get the sense uh, you know, for reference yeah you know? so so i think that is uh, it's uh, it's a different way in which people are reacting mm. and i think that uh, each of them uh, uh, if, if if you need to perform through others like like you are in my position you need to let them the time to actually trust you. And uh, and so it, it takes uh, different times. And, and to do that, uh, you need to be available. So your door is open. And if people call you, you know, on Friday night, uh, yes, you are there. You know, if, uh, yeah. if people want to see you on Saturday morning for a coffee, yes, you are there. Uh, I think that is where that is where it's, uh, it's important. Mm. One question I always ask is, you know, what would be the three pieces of advice that you would give to somebody either embarking on the same career path as you or, you know, somebody who, you know, or younger self, your younger self? Yeah, uh, that is a very nice question. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think uh, that, that, that to myself, uh, to my younger self, uh, it's uh, to be less uh, hard on yourself. Mm. Uh, because this, this yes. uh, because things are going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think that again, if you want to achieve something, if you have this sense of purpose, uh, it tends to be hard on yourself mm. uh, and always doubting. So I, I think that I will be, you know, helping to framing sometimes the things in a different way to see also, you know, uh, how long uh, you're being, uh, you know, from where you started. Uh, uh, remember also the success you have. Remember the impact you had with the people around you, and less being hard on the last decision you make that you know it didn't work out as you want, or you, you mm. could have had uh, this interview, for example, it could have been better. You know? So I, I'm sure that I'm going to regret when I was working. I will work away. Well, it's very All cold the and the dogs are barking, <laughs> so it definitely could be better. From but that it, but it's, it's that kind of sense yeah. of being always trying to get the best out of you. Yeah. Um, so you can actually cut down. I think things mm-hmm. work out fine and it's not going to have a major impact. Uh, I think that uh, also important to, uh, to keep learning, you said before. I think uh, uh, I've seen really when, when you stop learning because you lost interest, uh, you get older immediately. What were you saying? You're not open. You're not sort of in the moment. You're not picking things up and you're not curious about curious. what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. That, so you naturally can be curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be careful because sometimes you go into this fear of missing out that then you are you know, touching a lot of things. So go back to understand. Uh, curiosity uh, on speed. Yeah. What yeah. are the really things that you need to master in order to uh, reach that? I think that is, is important. Uh, 
so to keep learning, uh, so keep the appetite, uh, you know, and keep yourself curious uh, mm. and uh, meet people, you know, trying to exit this kind of, you know, the, the, be alone <laughs> there, you know, this is very important. Um, and then uh, I think it's, it's about uh, uh, yeah, finding, uh, if you can find it earlier, definitely have your mentors uh, mm. or have some role models. I was going to ask you about a role model. Did you have one growing up or do you have many, or several? Many, yeah. several. In different stages of life as well. Uh, but I think, uh, to, at least to me, uh, I think it's, it's always been important to see myself into something by, by seeing others. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it's, I know that, that it also works in, in the other, other aspect. In golf, the visualization of yourself making yeah. the shot is incredibly important. Uh, things to give you the confidence to actually execute it. So the idea that you are seeing yourself into different things has been important to me. So mm -hmm. yes, I would have a, when, when anyone specific. But I think that uh, I've been uh, lucky to work at Diesel for many years, mm -hmm. and I've worked with uh, Renzo and Marina. So Mar Renzo is the founder, the CEO, you know, the founder of Renzo Rosso, and Marina Tosin was the CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, and I worked with them for like 13 years and uh, and I saw the, the, the relationship they had uh, amongst them and also with others. And I think that they have been a, a great role model for me. So for so for example, uh, the idea of always being available, always answering email in 24 hours, no matter mm -hmm. who was writing. The, this uh, passion for the creativity and nurturing the uh, the, the, the designers, mm -hmm. uh, giving them space. Uh, no, uh, uh, even when you are the owner of the company and you want it, uh, never putting uh, your uh, thoughts or your decision as in front of everybody. Like this, is always nurturing the conversation. Well, I remember you know, asking the the new, the last person arrived on the table, what do you think about? It, you know? mm -hmm. So trying to find always the different or opinions just to ensure that then uh, decision and make it uh, the decision making process better because it's more rich and yeah. you have, uh, I think that part has been important uh, from, from him and Marina is more about work ethic I mean uh, she was an accountant uh, you know, going, growing to CEO of a company over mm -hmm. one, one billion acquiring other companies incredible the work ethic of being there and uh, being the last to leave uh, first to arrive uh, no, yeah. it's really really giving the sense that, you know, it's an important uh, job. Uh, you take your chance to go against the common ground and common thinking, be able to argue with your founder mm -hmm. when you think that things are, are wrong. So this, this kind of being really rooted in your values. Mm -hmm. I, I was super lucky to, to work with them uh, very closely and, and actually see in action what it means to, to be a leader now with completely different background. And, uh, and it helps me a lot, I think, to frame this, this, you know, right brain, uh, right brain. Uh, so for them, it's been very important. But but, but even Dita today, I think, has been an incredible uh, role model for me. In pandemic, she's one of the most uh, humble and caring creative directors I met. And uh, and in this time, uh, she was saying, no, it's fine, Andrea, to not have all the answers. It's fine, Andrea, to feel, uh, no, uh, overwhelmed. So. Just be yourself. Just don't try too hard to, to cover it. And I think, you know, that she became my role model. I think mm. I'm, you know, my, 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 my touch boys with her, even if I'm very short and ridiculous, is one of the things that I'd like to, to have in my week because it's really finding role models around you. Uh, it's everywhere. I think these are the all the words that we need to hear right now. And I think what you're picking up on is being open, being curious, the relationship aspect about, you know, appreciating that not everyone's going to know all of the answers and hearing all of the people around the table, even if they're the last to arrive. And I think that really speaks a lot about, you know, you, I think it also, you know, when you look at the brands that really doing incredible work, all of that, you know, from the founders to the people, you know, who are, you know, leading the senior management team to everyone else in the team, it really comes across in, in the brand. And I think as customers, we begin to see more and more of that. And it's just absolutely essential. The last question, I mean, what is it that you really love about what you do? It's, um, 
having an impact mm-hmm. on on a product that is on the street. Mm-hmm. So it's something visible, tangible. It's not theoretical. Through working with other people mm-hmm. and 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 unleashing the potential they have mm-hmm. to make the customers happy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's the fact that everything we are trying to do behind the scene as as an impact on the consumer that it make a choice mm-hmm. to buy something that uh, he, he really love mm-hmm. no matter if it's uh, you know handbags uh, or a dress uh, or a gift for somebody it's really that connection because it's not needed i mean we are not are not uh, you know producing things that save the world so really you have to be to make a choice to, to buy that product mm-hmm. and and i know that at the end is a work of a tons of people it's sometimes you know now I, you see we are uh, uh, you know filming so it reminds me of a, of a, of a movie industry you know where, where you where you yes. see the, the the pictures the final movies yeah but you know how many people have, have worked we'll behind the happen. scenes as well exactly <laughs> so so i think in fashion is in a similar way there is these tons of people that make mm. that things happen and we are so much focused sometimes on on the final purchase because we can't in them. life too but we don't see actually mm. the, the, the great work of the people around and how this can really make a huge difference. Uh, so, so knowing that you are uh, organizing and you are helping these mm. to, to, to work, I think is what I like of my mm. job. Yeah, I think what you're saying about behind the scenes, it's the behind the scenes that we don't see. And, you know, it's we're talking about kind of like the final product and yeah, I think there's just so much focus on that and not on the process and just actually accepting that there's a lot of people that go into creating the product. There's a lot of difficulties and challenges and mistakes that happen along the way. And just being humble and human and understanding that it's okay because, you know, we've got this common purpose and we're kind of, it's a journey and we're going to get there to some, you know, to some extent. Uh, but yes, just the behind the scenes, I think it's important. Speaking of that, I'm going to take a picture of the behind the scenes just now, because <laughs> this is just, just yeah. is so funny. Um, <laughs> just look at this before. Like what is actually going on? And, then, and I think consumers are going to be more interested. That's where also with the, the industry, yeah. also the industry is yeah. not ready, because the behind yeah. the scene is your your logistics, your suppliers, yeah. Yeah. where you're buying your 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 cottons. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes even us that work in the industry, we give from granting some of the things. So now, mm-hmm. no, uh, it's it's extremely important that as a, as a CEO, you you move that the stakeholder that they need to be taking consideration is much larger than actually your team and mm-hmm. the people that work for you or, or your supplier. So there is a, a lot of that that is going to be extremely important in the fashion of the future, I think. Yes. This transparency, um, being uh, showing uh, who made your clothes, showing uh, who is actually contributing to these fantastic things that that is uh, no, uh, on sale. I think that that is uh, something that the industry will face a lot, mm-hmm. like other industry before us. And, uh, and and you need a different way of also measuring, again, as I said, success. Mm-hmm. Because you know, financial return for investor is good things, uh, obviously, because it allows you, you know, to reinvest and to bring more things. But, but your impact is much larger than that. And you need to take uh, a, a more holistic view on mm. the impact you have on uh, on the society, on the planet, uh, and, on, and on the people. So that's what we are trying to do at, at Cani, and, uh, and and I think become more central in the industry. Absolutely, I think the transparency is becoming much, much more important, and we're seeing that with social media, and you know, you know, especially during the pandemic when we can't, you know, go, you know, the elite fashion players can't be going to the catwalk so you know the consumer is now seeing behind the scenes and really wanting to find out and asking questions around that and being a lot in the driving seat in terms of the product and the kind of treatment that they expect for you know the workers that are creating the product and the management teams that actually lead the companies so this idea of having you know mission and the ethics it's not just external but actually you know permeates the whole company from within and i think you're the perfect example of that so well i want to thank you very much for coming onto the show and for putting up with all of the technical issues and the freezing cold i know we can't do this kind of things indoors just yet but i you know i really 
you know, value our relationship and all of these years that I have known you and thank you for sharing your wisdom and for being here today. So thank you, thank you Andrea. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for joining us here on Anatomy of a Leader podcast. I hope our guests' leadership journeys resonate with you and make you feel like you too can take on the world. If you'd like to be mentioned here on the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and leave a review, and I will pick the best one to mention in our next episode. Tell a friend, share on social media. I'll make sure to support you there also. And let me know what inspired you, what changes you've made, and how you too succeeded against all odds. You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn with the handle MariaHVO or just search for my very long surname. And if you're hiring leaders to take your business to the next level, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Again, that very long surname or MariaHVO. Thank you again for being here on Anatomy of a Leader. Bye for now.